Heavenly Father, we pray that you would speak to us now. That we would hear your good news for each one of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, George Osborne left number 10 Downing Street. He paused on the doorstep to pose for photos. And in his right hand, he held up his red briefcase. Inside was the budget, which he was about to deliver in the House of Commons. He was setting out at rates of income tax and the levels at which you pay it, duty on drink and cigarettes and other financial measures as well. Many people probably tuned in to watch it live as it happened and others will have checked the evening news just to see if they'll be better or worse off. As a result, everyone was hoping for a bit of good news, something that would boost their bank balance or put a few extra pounds in their purse. Now, whether the Chancellor of the Exchequer has achieved that may well depend on whether you're Labour or Conservative or something in between. But we're not getting into a party political broadcast tonight, you'll be glad to hear. The deeper question is, could any Chancellor really bring good news for the poor? What would good news for the poor look like? Over the course of these Lent midweek services. We've been reading through Proverbs and hopefully you've been reading along at home as well. We've looked at the beginning of wisdom. We've thought about relationships and at work and laziness with the sluggard. We've thought about our words, how we use our tongue and now we come to the poor. It's another of those big themes that jump out at you as you read through Proverbs. How do we get on if we are poor? Or how do we treat those who are poorer than we are? Now if I were to ask you the question tonight, if you're poor or you feel poor, Um, The way you might answer that question probably depends on the cash in your pocket, if there is any, uh, or what you have under your mattress. Not that I recommend that as a a place to keep your money, Um, but also maybe how far the next payday is, or the next pension day perhaps. One way of uh, putting it that has struck with me is having too much month left at the end of your money. 
But really, whether we're poor or not depends on how we measure and who we compare ourselves with. If you look at someone like Bill Gates, for example, or even the Queen, then of course you feel poor. You don't drive about in a gold carriage with soldiers uh, at your side. You don't give billions to uh, fight world poverty like Bill Gates does. Of course uh, you feel poor. You just can't compete with that wealth unless someone's hiding it really, really well. I don't know. But what about on the global scale? Today on Twitter, this uh, tweet popped onto my feed. Uh, A little uh, God incident as I was thinking about tonight and preparing for tonight. It said this. The amount of money and assets needed to put you in the top 50% of the world's wealthiest people is how much? What do you think? How much would get you into the top half of the world's wealthiest people. Any guesses? Any guesses? A billion. £2,400 is enough to make you the top half of the world's wealthiest people. So if you can tot up that amount between your bank account or your house or your car or whatever it might be, then you are in the world's richest half. That's quite staggering, isn't it? No matter how poor you you might feel you are, there are definitely people worse off. Perhaps after hearing that, you're, you're feeling a little better off. You see, nearly everyone is richer than someone else. Almost everyone can find someone who is poorer. The question is, how do we treat them? Do we look down on them because they don't have as much money as we do? Do we divide people into the deserving and the undeserving poor? Do we reserve the right to help only some and leave others to suffer? As you read through Proverbs, you realise how hard a time some people have. In our reading tonight... Uh, from Proverbs, the, the first verse. The poor is disliked even by his neighbor, but the rich has many friends. We see that worked out in the life of the prodigal son. Do you remember the story in Luke 15, where the younger son comes to the father and says, I wish you were dead, I want my money now. And he takes it and he goes off to the far country and he has a great time. When he has his inheritance money, he has lots of friends and lots of parties. 
But then they all abandoned him to the pigsty when the money ran out. Or again, later in chapter 19, that wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friend. If a poor man had just one friend, he would be deserted by him. And yet wealth brings many new friends. But Proverbs also tells us that to be poor and to have integrity is better than to have loads of money and to be a sinner. Chapter 16, uh, verse 19 says, It is better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. Or again in chapter 19, Better is a poor person who walks in his integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. You see, wealth is no excuse for sinfulness or for folly. Money doesn't mean that you're better than anyone else. In fact, it might be a temptation to be worse than others. Just as we saw last week that how we use our tongue exposes what's in our hearts as it overflows. So we see that how we treat the poor shows our heart condition as well. The last verse in our Proverbs reading. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker. But he who is generous to the needy honours him. To do harm to someone who is poor is actually to do harm to his maker. The one in whose image he was made. Yet we can so easily slip into a form of favouritism founded on fortunes. That's what was happening in the early church. James writes about it in, uh, in the second reading we heard from uh, James chapter 2. And maybe this is particularly for uh, the church wardens, uh, the, the public face of the congregation, the people who welcome people in and uh, show them seats. James says, imagine that two new people arrive at church at the same time. One of them is decked out in designer labels, plenty of bling, loads of gold jewellery. The other is a bit worse off, shabby clothing. Jim says, watch the welcome team. So one, you sit here in a good place. Welcomed up to a seat of honour. Somewhere that um, they'll be able to see what's happening. But also so that everyone can see them. Who comes along to our church. The other. (laughs) Do you stand over there? Get away into the corner out of the road. We don't want people to see you and think that 
we're like you. Or else, sit down at my feet. There's a spot on the floor. Now Alan and Francis will be watching carefully if anyone comes. Where you put them. You see, it's so easy to do, but James says that it shouldn't be so. It's so easy to look at the outward appearance and make judgments based on what we see. But that's not how God works. As James goes on to say in verse 5, Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom? Which he has promised to those who love him. Jim says that the poor uh, may not have much money. They may, be, uh, may not be rich in financial terms. But they can be rich in faith. They can be heirs of God's kingdom. Millionaires in mercy. Enjoying gazillions of grace. If they love God, that's how they become rich. You see, to have wealth is actually a spiritual danger. It can make us self-sufficient. It can leave us independent at trusting in our own resources rather than depending on God. Proverbs Provides us with some hints then of how to treat the poor. Those who are less well off than ourselves. Not by oppressing them. But as the second half of 1431 continues on our sheet. He who is generous to the needy honours him. That is honours God. Do you see the, the, the parallel there whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker but he who is generous to the needy honours him honours God indeed at chapter 19 and verse 17 goes even further in the observation whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed The alternative also is set out in stark terms. Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. As I've said in previous weeks, these are probabilities, not promises in In the same way. Uh, But even so the call to care for the poor. Rings out loud and clear. And it all lies in knowing the undeserved kindness of God. In our own lives. In 2 Corinthians Paul uh, is getting them ready for the collection of a gift to help needy Christians who were suffering from famine in Jerusalem. And at the very centre of his argument, he says this, 
For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich. Yet for your sake he became poor. So that you by his poverty. Might become rich. Just think of the movement of the Lord Jesus. From his throne in heaven. To a dirty stable. To the cross. He gave up everything for us. So that we might have everything. And it's this grace for us. Poor, unlovely sinners though we are. That rings out in the Nazareth synagogue at the start of Luke's gospel. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim what? Good news to the poor. The gospel is good news because it brings us God's undeserved favour in the grace of the Lord Jesus. He freely gives us his grace. He freely gives us a share in the inheritance of his kingdom. Just think. As you trust in Christ tonight, you have the promise of inheriting heaven. To share his throne. As we receive his grace. So we're called to share that grace with those around us. To pass on at the goodness we have received. If we're up home. And give one of our nieces a packet of sweets. We don't expect her to go. And eat them all. They might do that. But they shouldn't do that. We expect them to share. We expect them to um, take what they've given, what they've received, and, and give it uh, to those around them. God has given us His goodness and His gifts, not to store up for ourselves alone, but to share with those in need. And it's great that we, as a church family, can support the pantry. And it's great to hear from Val that we are probably the church that supported the most. But are there other ways we can help as well? Are there other things we can do for those in need? How can we find those and do them? Do you remember that moment when uh, the woman anointed Jesus? She wasted all that perfume. She took the bottle and uh, smashed it and, and poured it all over his feet. The disciples criticized her because it could have been given to the poor. 
Or in other words, Judas wanted it for himself. Jesus says in that moment in Mark's gospel. For you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them. Whenever we want, wherever we turn, there are ways to do good. There are ways to pass on God's grace. So let's ask the Lord to show us and to help us so that we can act for his praise and his glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for your grace. Your undeserved favour which you have shared with us. Help us, Lord, to share uh, with those in need. Help us to fulfil your royal law. To love our neighbour as we love ourselves. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.